Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the MBIT Podcast, and I'm your host, Seamus Medan. I started this podcast at 15 years old in December of 2020 to bring personal finance education to the next generation. Now, I am 16 years old, and the podcast has evolved to interviewing entrepreneurs, VCs, GPs, and founders of public companies, all of which are designed to delve into insights that have not been shared elsewhere for the next generation of those interested in business. Recently, I ventured into the VC space as a venture fellow at Blitzscaling Ventures, which is backed by the co-founder of LinkedIn, and I am interviewing those farther along in their journey to learn more on everything that I and the audience is curious about. If any of the above sounds interesting to you, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. And now, back to the show. So today, Matt Mahar, the CEO of Canna, joins the podcast to discuss how Canna One is revolutionizing the beverage industry while making a positive impact on the environment at the same time. Before Canna, Matt was the Director of Digital Support over at Nike and VP of Product Management at the home security company Vivint. So first off, thank you, Matt, for taking the time to join the show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Yeah, Seamus, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. Same here. So right before you started Canna, as we mentioned, you were the VP of product management for Vivint. And what was your experience like over there? And uh, how did you get into Canna? Yeah, so Vivint was a great experience. You know, maybe not the most well-known company, right, in the U.S., but the largest provider of smart home services and in the U.S. And what I learned from Vivint was a couple of really key things. One was they were a uh, PE-backed company. And they had done everything really in like an amazing, like DIY, super gritty way. They were the most well-funded startup, you could say. And I think that was one one amazing thing. That was from, you know, Todd Peterson, who was the CEO at the time that I was there, all the way down to, throughout the company. They just had this really like gritty, get it done, you know, grind it out, bootstrap kind of way. And I thought that was awesome to be part of that culture. And then I think the other thing too, is they had a real like underdog mentality, you know, no one really knew who Vivint was and they were okay with that, but they wanted to prove, you know, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, prove everybody wrong. And I think the third thing was that I took, that I learned there was that they had a very contrarian approach to smart home. You had nests of the world producing these really sexy, amazing thermostats at the time and getting bought by Google for 3 billion. And here's Vivint who's doing smart home as a service. And it turns out that monthly service revenue or, you know, ARR is much more valuable for a business than selling just one piece of hardware that over the lifetime of a customer probably has negative, negative profit. So, so I, I think I learned a lot about just kind of some fundamentals of, of how to just succeed for, uh, from taking a startup mentality, but also maybe a contrarian view to how, how to bring a product to market. And you went from athleisure to smart homes technology. How did you get interested in science in technology? Yeah, I've always, you know, to be honest, I kind of fell into it a little bit backwards. So, you know, I actually, what it was is I, I played basketball in college. And so EA Sports, they would go from campus to campus and they would recruit game testers. And I started testing NBA Live, EA Sports in Vancouver, British Columbia. And I thought it was the coolest place to work. And at the time, I'll be really honest, I didn't even know the difference between EA Sports making games on a, on the disc versus Microsoft and Sony as first party software. I had no, no idea between the two until I started working there. And so once I got to EA and I started learning about this, this idea of software 
development and entertainment around games and software, I just kind of became like a little bit obsessed with it. And from there, I always just leaned into technology and I've always just tried to be on like the bleeding edge, like what's next, what's happening. And so that took me from games. And at the time I was doing like online gaming, you know, before there was any sort of, you know, well-known, even I was in the metaverse. I felt like before there was even a thing, we had online communities. And then that took me to Nike where I did connected apparel and smart shoes just was like, Hey, this, you know, I think Fitbit was the only company in the, that had been out doing trackers yet. And so at Nike, I worked on a fuel band and Nike plus basketball, which were smart connected apparel. And I thought that would just be the most amazing thing to be able to walk around and get an idea of like how my body's performing and how I should take 10,000 steps a day. And then at the same time, when I was at Nike, I saw this wave of IOT coming and specifically in the smart home. So I guess that's a, a decade now ago. I, that's when I jumped over to Vivint. So I've always just been really curious about the next thing. And I always am curious about it because I get to talk to interesting people. I'm really lucky, ask a lot of questions. And some of that sparks interest into new areas of the technology is, is starting to, to take over and try to just stay as you know, up to date and on cutting edge as possible as a result of that understanding. Yeah. And speaking of the next thing, Gen Z has said that climate change is one of the most important issues of their generation right now. And over at Canada, you're working to change the beverage industry. Let's start off with what the current problem with the beverage industry is and how it operates. Yeah. So you have this massive scaled up infrastructure. What it does is it gets beverages from point A to point B. Point A being you grow the ingredients, you have to process, you have to cultivate, you manufacture them at a factory, you process them there, you have to package them, then you distribute them, you know, you ship them around. And all of that is built on centuries old infrastructure. So you got to use a lot of water to grow all the ingredients. You use a lot of, you emit a lot of CO2 to process and manufacture. You use a lot of water to process as well to create those beverages. And then you emit a lot of CO2 and you create a lot of packaging and bottle waste when you're distributing. And then when you and I are drinking the beverages. So all those steps in that current process are were never built in a way that could be the most sustainable possible. They were just built in a way to hit scale. So they're actually pretty impressive because they're gigantic. They, you know, hundreds of like trillions of bottles and cans are created every single year. But as a result of us drinking the beverages that we drink, we use, you know, hundreds of millions of liters of water, essentially the size of Lake Erie every single year to create the beverages that we drink. But it was never thought of like, how can we do it in a, in a, in a better, more sustainable way? So the problem is it's just scaled up and it's terrible for the environment. And specifically it's contributing. If you put a microscope, on our magnifying glass on the beverage industry it is a a silent but huge contributor to the single-use plastic waste that is you know washing up on our shores and on our lakes and rivers in our lakes and rivers and contributing to a global trash crisis and so that's the problem that we're going after and we're trying to solve and that gives you an idea of the scale of it for sure. And all the time we talk about prob- founders who are solving solutions to current problems. And now that we understand the problem, how has Canna or Canna won the solution? Yeah. So what we've done is we've looked at all the steps in that process and we've essentially said, how can we eliminate as many steps as possible to then shrink the amount of, of waste, right? And so what we've figured out is 
well, this isn't actually something we figured out. Once I say it, you'll, it'll be pretty obvious. But all those containers and bottles that were moving from point A to point B, on average, 90% of what is in one of those containers is water. So taking a, a soda as an example, 99% of, the, of what's in that can or more, a little bit more is water. And about 1% are these really unique ingredients that give that beverage its flavor and its aroma. And so if you have water in your home already and water is the main ingredient in any beverage, average 90%, how can we just ship you that other you know, 1%? How can we create that 1% and get it to your home? So what we've done is we've taken inspiration from Star Trek, right? And we've essentially created a Star Trek replicator. We call it the Canna One, and it's the world's first molecular beverage printer. And what it does is it puts every ingredient that you would need, and there's about 150 of them, any of those ingredients, we put them into a cartridge. And that cartridge provides about a month to three months worth of beverage servings across coffee, tea, juice, soda wine, cocktails, hard seltzers, energy drinks. And that cartridge goes into our can of one device and we mix the most important ingredients, which are in our cartridge with the water that's in your home, right? Which is the main ingredient. And we produce beverages on demand. And that, that contain that cartridge, because it has hundreds and even thousands of servings, we don't use, we reduce the plastic waste by about 80%. We reduce the water waste by about 80% and we reduce the CO2 emissions by about 80%. That's super neat. And we would have thought companies like Keurig would have thought of a solution like this, but they haven't and they haven't made one either. So how does the technicals of the product work if you can get into that just a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's obvious that this it, that, that the sustainability aspect of uh, the current beverage infrastructure is a problem because Keurig is, in a way, trying to tackle that. They're just taking a bit of a different approach. And to be honest, at the end of the day, it's not exactly maybe the most impactful. And SodaStream is doing the same thing. They're, tr they're in that game and because they know there's an opportunity there. But I think where they're falling down is they're only solving for one beverage type, either a carbonated soda or a coffee. And so what we've done, technically, the, 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 the breakthrough for us is that we've created a universal set of beverage ingredients. And so that's what's in the cartridge. They're highly concentrated liquids. Those are like acids or sugars, you know, or vitamins that can go into any beverage. And what we figured out is all of those ingredients, they're actually shared between a, any beverage. So the same ingredients that go into a wine are the same ingredients that go into a coffee or a tea or a juice. And what we figured out is how do you perfectly measure those and dispense them in the right amount so that you use the same ingredients to create one beverage and then you just modify the amount of them to create a different beverage. And we figured out how to do that in our molecular beverage printer. And we figured out essentially what happens is we mix, you know, 50 plus different ingredients. We carbonate water, we chill the water, and we mix those ingredients with that carbonated, carbonated chilled water together in about 30 seconds and we dispense it into a cup. And so what's made that that's the breakthrough is we have a countertop molecular beverage printer that allows people to mix all those ingredients together, carbonate, chill them and dispense them. That's, that's, you know, highest level. That's how the, that's how the device works. 
Gotcha. And 40% of households in the U.S. own something like a Keurig or a single cup brewing system. So there's obviously a large market to capture and even larger considering you're doing more than just the hot drinks, as you said, or more than just the sparkling water. And there's this law called Dornbush's Law, which basically says that financial crises can take much longer to come than you think. And then they happen twice as faster than you would have thought. So do you think that we're going to see a similar thing in terms of the growth of Canna? Yeah, I think so. It's yes, that's an interesting principle. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be the, you know, the 10 year overnight success. I think what, what is unique about Canna is we've essentially you should think about it as like we've digitized beverages, right? They're now recipes that live in the cloud and it takes a bit of time to get there. It also takes a little bit of time to optimize them. But what we've done on the other side is we've actually digitized the brand that goes, that wraps around that beverage, right? And that is something we can do very fast. And once people find the beverage brand that they love and that they want to have, and we, they'll start to consume more beverages from Canna. And we can literally overnight, we can create, you know, a new beverage and a new brand and that'll start to pull more people in. And these beverage brands aren't your typical beverage brands. These are beverage brands around influencers and, you know, the next generation of creators in the world, as well as your typical, you know, your, your sports stars or even your sports team. And so I think what you'll see end up happening is there's this massive long tail of beverages that have never been able to be served because they're restricted by the shelf space in a store. And we've completely blown that out of the water and provided infinite shelf space. And as soon as people start to see that that long tail is introduced to to the public, there's going to be more people consuming more beverages and the pie for beverages, the beverage industry will expand. And that's where we'll see that expansion or that increase in the size of the beverage market that people probably weren't expecting when we first launched. And you mentioned how the number of beverages available on Canna are a lot more than just than what you would see at a grocery store. Do you think the consumer or does the consumer have the ability to create or try to create their own drink from scratch? Yeah. The way to think about Canna is it's essentially the beverage aisle on your countertop. And what's awesome about having all those ingredients in that cartridge is that you can, you know, we can turn the power over to any consumer or any person to modify the amount of those ingredients. So people will be able to modify the amount of sugar, the amount of caffeine, the amount of alcohol. They'll even be able to combine different flavors together. So if there's something you would like to try, you could do that. Um, You can even add vitamins and different ingredients to beverages. So if you want to do vitamin B, you want to do vitamin C, you want to do a multivitamin, you can do that into any beverage you want. And so that's the magic of having all the ingredients in one spot and turning that over to somebody that's an amazing feeling. You're you're now the brewmeister. You're now the barista. You're now the mixologist. That's a magical experience for someone. That's super neat. And you mentioned a little bit about this earlier, about the climate impact. And I was just scrolling through your website, and I realized it takes 600 liters of water to make a bottle of wine and 200 liters of water to make a glass of orange juice. And with these numbers being so high and so much resources being required, are you in conversations with getting any name brands like Coca-Cola or Pepsi onto the platform? That way they can reduce their environmental footprint. Yeah, yeah, definitely we are 100%. Those those two in addition to many others. I think all of them have, you know, they feel the pressure from consumers like you mentioned at the beginning, right? That sustainable brands are the brands that consumers want to purchase from. 
And I actually don't think that's just limited to, you know, Gen Z or Gen X or whoever. I think actually everybody really wants that. They want to know that, hey, the morally, the way that I think about the world, my brand thinks about the world the same way and sustainability is a big deal. So absolutely, that's what we can provide for those well-known brands as well as others. We can reduce their, their plastic waste. We can reduce their water waste. We can reduce their CO2 emissions as well. And we invite all of them actually to be on our platform and, you know, excited to actually give them that opportunity through Canna. The product is super exciting with these machines or with machines like these. It's way more convenient than going to the store and buying all these bottles, which makes it easier for the consumers. How does the price range of Canna drinks compared to that of bottled or canned beverages? Yeah, good. Yeah. So yeah, this is, think of this as like, this is the the world's first like fully autonomous in-home device. This is like your Teslas of the world. So what we do is we automatically ship people the cartridge when they need it, right? You, it's completely hands-off. It shows up at your doorstep. All you have to do is swap those cartridges in and out. That's it. And we actually use the cartridge 12 times to reduce our carbon footprint and our waste even more. And then on the 13th time, we actually recycle that, that, cartridge and we use it that plastic is parts in our device so we want to make sure that we have a full round trip experience on our supply chain but as well as your it's a completely autonomous experience for you and so as part of that service everything just showing up automatic the way it works is people pay for the device up front but the our goal is to always have drinks that are 25 to 50 percent cheaper than what you would pay at retail and that's our that's our goal for all of the different categories of, of beverages so not only provide a more convenient experience but provide something that's more cost effective for people at their home and to wrap it up here what are some of your takeaways on the beverage printing industry and where consumers who are interested about canna can learn more about it yeah, so I think my my takeaways are that, you know, the there's a lot of modern, you know, instrumentation that exists out there for you to run analysis on what is in a beverage or what is it really in, in any type of food. Liquids are a starting point, a starting point. And you can really understand the chemical nature of something and you can recreate it in a really safe way. As an example, like we actually pull pesticides and heavy metals out of the wine that we make. So it's actually more health, you know, health conscious or health better health-wise for people. And so I think there's a future where this stuff, the way that we're approaching things can really unlock a new way for not just beverages, but food, dairy, milks, that kind of stuff to be to be produced in a better environmental way and in a healthier way. So I think you'll see it progress there. I think you'll see it progress there very quickly, not only as we figure things out at Canna, but as other companies do, and as the technology and the infrastructure actually matures, some of the things that we use that we use internal. So, so that's where I, 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 I see it going. And then I think if you want to find out about Canna, go to canna.com, right? Go there. We're taking pre-orders right now. We've actually sold out of our first year's inventory, but there's still some, we're going to leave it up for a couple more days here for people to to get the, you know, you can pre-order $99 and then you get a $300 discount, $300 discount on the device. And we're going to leave it up for a few more days for people to, to purchase. And you can find out everything you need there. And then if anyone has any questions, they can just, you know, there's a, there's a contact dust form there. Please hit us up and we, we try to respond to everybody. That's awesome. Well, that's super interesting what you're doing over at Canna. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, thanks, Seamus. I appreciate it. <laughs>